Hello and welcome to episode um, 13. Is this accurate? Oh, correct. Yes, sir. 13. Okay. Ah, okay. We were 12 last episode 13 time, Kevin. Of the Randomer Nintendo podcast. I am Angel and I'm back to my left. Back is... from the dead. He's a zombie. Yeah, I died. Yeah. If you missed last episode, there were some rest in pieces thrown around, which meant I died. And then you got rebuilt. Your pieces came back together and did no longer need to be rested. And now here you are. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. Not even to the left and right of me, but right across from me, sitting on the same chair, is Jason and Kevin. There were budget cuts. We only had one chair to share. I'm the Jason half of the chair. on top of each other. And yet they don't share the same mic, which you think no, because those but, those no. um, the mic's more important than the chair. Very much so, very much so. We can each be half butted on a chair, but we can't be half miking it, or else the audio quality will dip. No one needed to know that our butts were sharing a chair until you said That's it. True, we would be going to old random Nintendo days when we shared a mic when we had yeah. no mic when we actually recorded in person, like for real. Yeah. Yeah, can't believe this ended up being the norm. I did not think it would at some point, but now it's kind of hard to see us going back, even if the opportunity presented. The audio itself, quality, which I would, guess it would have already. Well, the audio quality would take a hit because we batted it around, but then we're back to the three guys, one mic. Well, I mean, I mean we could have separate don't mics. Don't record actually. podcasts like on a table yeah. with multiple mics. Can't. That's true. Was the issue the thing? noise cancellation filters you guys have? would get thrown yeah, off pretty much. there's some issue okay there i knew there's something yeah there's, there's obviously something but yeah because don't get me wrong yeah. i'd be happier to in person and not be stuck between my button-down shirts and my t-shirts in my closet but you know uh jason playing the harry potter every week but yeah i mean this episode i mean yeah I mean, I'm back from Japan. Definitely have a lot to say about that. But I know we also all saw The Last of Us, and no, we'll see if anything else pops up, like Marvel Snap, which I did get to play in Japan. Probably the only game that even made sense to play while I was abroad, because it's just so short, and I could play it in little spurts. I mean, not even Brawl Stars. That one I feel requires. Well, no, it's not even. I feel it does. It does require it to be like. Looking at the screen for the entire duration of any given match. Where Marble Snap, you know, you could do your turn, maybe look away for like 10, 15 seconds, and then you could look back and you'll, for the most part, figure out what's going on. Like, it's kind of easy to multitask that game. For me, I found but, it's not easy to multitask because, like, I'll get a text while I'm playing. I'll be like, oh, I can't answer that real quick. I have plenty of time. And then I go back and I lose my turn because I don't have plenty of time. So. Uh, young one. Yeah. You just need more practice. Still learning. But at least I'm playing. I don't know if you um, are aware, Angel. I think you're aware because we talked about it. But I'm yeah, playing. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. You made it to the 20? Yeah, I think, think I'm 24 or 5 last I checked. I would boot it up. I don't want to like, have the sound play on the mic. Uh, I think I'm like 24 or 25. Right, so what are some cards that are in your deck? Um, so I actually kept a fair amount of the base basic cards you get. Like I only still have one deck. Um, so I have... Um, Quicksilver, I have Hulk, I have Abomination, I have, uh, a lot of the early cards, essentially. Um, mm, I have, uh, January you? Jones, I have... January Jones. Yeah, the four this turn, Jessica four next Jones. turn. 
or did I say January Jones? Right. Yeah. No, I was a Mad Men actress. I made a custom card and put in a deck. It's like, remember this actress who was not good on SNL specifically? Like she was really flat. Well, she's now flat as a card. That's that's what my game plan was. Uh, yeah, no, I, I meant – That's what she's known for? Well, she's known she's for Mad Men. SNL? But I have a very distinct memory of her basically bombing on SNL, which isn't a fault of hers necessarily. I think it's a different – Actress, I thought the person that played Jessica Jones in the show was the person that played Jesse's first girlfriend in Breaking Bad. Right. Or that's, that's her. And she also was in girl. Last of Us uh, early on, I believe. Or not Last of Us. Why can't oh. I talk today? Last Man on Earth. <laughs> she was also in Last Man on Earth uh, with Will Forte. She was the blonde on that show to give you some visual cue. Uh, well, but I guess that's the but yeah, I meant I meant the career Jessica. of Kate Thank Hudson you. or um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it's still – like the thing I think I'm going to struggle with with Snap is when it comes time to the point where I need to have multiple decks, which I know is what a lot of people like about Snap. Like how many decks do you guys each have? Mm, I have a lot. Yeah, I have at least five or six decks. Yeah. But, that, that's... but I think I only – but I only really play like – one at a time until I'm kind of forced to use another one for a a quest or something. See, that's, that's but really, where I'm going to get stuck, I suspect. Uh, like, I, I like having one deal. thing that works and then just using it. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I don't know how far it's going to get me. I have noticed my win-loss ratio is starting to dip a little more recently. But, um, yeah, like, even when I used to play the Pokemon train card game back when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I was in the Pokemon train card game league. And at my local comic book store. And don't get me wrong. You're talking to a two-time badge winner of the Pokemon Train Card Game League. Granted, out of eight badges. But I got two of them. Um, and I did that all with one deck. But, like, everyone in the league outside of my friend and I would have, like, three or four decks. And they'd, like, decide as they sit down, like, which one they're going to do. And I was just like, what? Like, I just can't wrap my head around, like, multiple strategies. I'm too much of a simpleton. So I don't know how that's going to shake out in, in Snap, but I, I am weary. As much as I'm enjoying it for all the reasons you guys highlight in, like, December or January or whatever, um, I am weary that I'm going to hit a wall of my own making, even though the game is super fun, super easy pick-up-and-play, super quick to get through a match. Um, there is that obvious huge satisfaction when you pull off a cool move at the end or kind of... I had so many people snap on me, and then I do something that you know, gives me a solid lead, like a real win, and it's so gratifying, but I just worry I'm going to hit this wall at some point, and I'm sort of low-key dreading when it comes, but until then, it's it's fun. You're, honestly, not really. I mean, if you go with the mentality that you just want to use one deck, yeah. then that's honestly going to work just fine, because unlike other card games, you know, you have the location system, and that makes any deck... You, yeah, you, I mean, you do have some really good decks. There are some co more consistent decks than others. But just because the location system is a thing, you'll literally have some games where, you know, the best deck out there, let's just arbitrarily say that it's the Patriot deck with Patriot. You might get some locations that completely counter that deck. Like, this is nothing they can do about it. It's just horrible luck. And there's a bunch of locations that counter many decks. So... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you're just going to pick the one every single time, it almost kind of balances out luck-wise, at least with locations. The only thing left is just for you to pay 
you know, just play the game how you play. And if yours doesn't have any kind of specific strategy, sometimes that works in your favor because the locations won't screw you over right. as much as they would other more focused decks. Like yeah, because I just kind of broad. you know you have destroyed decks that sometimes you have areas that say things can't be destroyed here. Or when I fought a move deck that literally had the location, um, anytime something moves here, destroy it, and it's like, oh well, they're gonna concede right away. But yeah, and yeah. and on the location point, because I, I remember this is something you guys discussed uh, when you were first talking about game and trying to convince me. But I really like this location system where basically, for those who haven't played, you know, every match there's three variables that can impact how it unfolds based on you know where you put the cards or when those locations are revealed or whatever and that almost gives it mm. and this might be what the game's saying with me so much it almost gives it the kind of uh random element of like a lot of nintendo games you know like a, a mario kart with, with what items you get or a smash bros with what oh, happens yeah. on the stage and i think that makes it. it much more besides the really solid onboarding they have i feel like that makes it much more accessible and much more like casual friendly so yeah maybe it's just because you guys are playing it in the same way like angel you play smash bros with no items and final destination you know like when you play you play competitively like maybe my fear of oh i won't have a right deck doesn't matter to your point because of those locations in the same way that i'm cool with items on and all the wacky stage elements in effect in smash bros it's probably maybe they maybe they found that duality in marvel snap and i'm just not yet realizing it till right now and that will actually keep me going yeah and the reason i'm saying that's because i'm kind of doing that ah gotcha like even though even though i have a bunch of decks it was really just like to satisfy some of those quests like they'll say destroy monsters or destroy minions oh yeah, yeah well i don't have any destroy cards right. so i literally just made a destroy deck just to fulfill I it see. and then just kind of let I it have go a, yeah. i have a cost one deck um that surprisingly gets me a lot of wins so I don't know why I just don't continue along with it. Uh, I, my Patriot deck uh, and my discard deck have been leading me to a lot of losses recently. I really wish <laughs> they would provide a win-loss ratio you can see. I know the game tracks it, but there's not currently a way to see it yourself. Cause I'm sure we will eventually. I was so it's a cursed on a while. I'm proud like a of myself little at first. Of life things that I wish that they would do. Yeah. And multiplayer is coming soon-ish. I know that. Or like friend multiplayer like friend versus friend mm -hmm. so yeah so that should be interesting but but yeah you guys it took a while but i'm sold on marvel snap until i'm not <laughs> but for now i am so well hopefully you're with it long enough just to get that update where we get the multiplayer yeah oh yeah, yeah should yeah. be coming soon yeah it's supposed to be in the next few weeks and i i admittedly am not playing it as heavily as i was in the first couple of days and week but i am still going in and playing it pretty often yeah what about fall guys i haven't touched that yet this year but I would like to point out my New Year's resolution as established on this very show was Marvel Snap level 20, and I did it within one sitting when I started playing it. And I lost half my battery in the process. But two and a half hours later, there I was. New Year's goal. We should have uh, made it 30 or 40. I feel like I – it for a moment motivated me. Like if I could do that resolution, I could do anything. Let's do like exercise or let's do like something more, more, more people oh, do. Wow. And then the next day I woke up. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Why did I think that? And proceeded not to. So, Yep. Wait, the next moment you woke up? No, like up, the next so day. The next day the is what I said. Uh, so like, oh. like that night, like, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to like start walking more. And the next day I'm like, nope. So short-lived. Although I will say uh, between Pikmin Bloom and the Apple Watch, like activity badges and stuff, I am actually walking. I walked like four miles yesterday. So, you know, maybe I am hmm. actually doing it. 
Not bad. Not bad. That's enough about me. Yeah. Do you guys want to jump on leftovers, or should I just throw down this uh, info dump that was my trip to Japan? <laughs> uh, well, what do you want to do, host of the episode, Angel? Uh, let's get the Japan stuff out of the way while it's still, I guess, as fresh as it can be as far as recording goes, because I guess it was about a week ago now, which is kind of crazy. Time, wow. Time went by so slow, but in a great way. While in Japan, it just felt because everything was just a new, everything felt new again, because it's been a while since we last went. It was... When did we go? It was like 27 to 2018. Then you guys went when you went as a group, like the two of you together where you didn't take me. Uh, you guys went 2015 into six. No, that's wrong. You guys went really? 16 into 17. Or the 16, you guys went 16 into 17. Six... Wait, I went March of 2017. I went like three weeks after the switch came out, which is now six years ago. You guys went the year before me, I think. I want to say we went after. Wasn't the switch already a thing, Kevin? When we went, I don't remember because I feel like oh, we would have all taken it. Yeah, no, it wasn't yet because you guys went before. Man, me. I'm, I'm like, am I mistaking that for a flight to Austin where we had our you switches? are? And I was there for that one, so I'm glad I a wasn't on the Japan. It's funny I wasn't on the Japan trip, but now you don't even remember me being on a trip I was on. <laughs> but yes, it was. Uh, Austin is where we all took Has Jason ever even traveled with us? I have. We've What's shared hotel Austin? rooms. Yeah, it was Austin that you... Well, maybe one day. ...that you guys... Okay. It was it was Austin we all took the switches to. It was Japan. You guys went before me switchless. So it had to have been either 16 into 17 or 15 into 16. Because it's pretty easy to imagine Jason being somewhere. So I guess it's like he traveled with like, us. Like, literally, I have. <laughs> For multiple well, trips to multiple... To... Okay, well... Been nice knowing you. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we'll just have to accept that way. I'm gonna but, figure out when you went to Japan while you talk about this current trip to Japan. I have my ways. Yeah, so I was over there for about two weeks, and yeah, I I saved up for this trip for a long time. This was definitely gonna be like the trip where 2016, like no, like no expenses spared, like 2016 to 17. Or 2015 you were to there in summer of 2016 with a tweet. That's how I found it. Saying, now finally in Japan, the vacation can finally start with a picture of Welcome I, to Japan. I wasn't there for that one. Okay. If that was the oh, summer. Right. Okay. That was the first so time then, I went to Japan and that's with where a different my, group. Where, then that's maybe where my mix-up came from. Okay, so then you went... Oh, it's you went 2017 to 18. Oh, so you went so before... Oh, I see. So you went before without me or anyone from the group then i went knowing you guys were going some other time but that you already booked it without me and then you went <laughs> so yeah, yeah the first time with a completely different group yeah yeah so you were there time. last there 2018 just barely almost the same week that oh. you were there this time actually you left japan on january 5th 2018 and this is all very important information for every listener to have we are not wasting your time canelo it was january yeah, 5th. and the funny thing is that it was freezing the last time we went, like, no one wanted to take their gloves off, kind of freezing. Yeah. Winter. And as, we, and as we were leaving, like, it was just getting colder, and I believe, like, it just started snowing, like, not too long after we left. And this time around, I arrived, like, on the 6th, so we would have already left Japan last time, and I was there till, like, the 20th. And not only was it not freezing, it was 
perfectly fine sometimes to just like not even wear like a sweater, just like a long sleeve shirt or something. And that's about it sometimes. It was, it's cold, but not that cold. And that was also kind of like, like, oh man, it's kind of weird. But climate change, you know, yeah, it kind of worked out in our favor and not in our favor because we took like a couple jackets that's like, oh, I didn't need to take so many jackets anymore. I didn't need to bring all these gloves. So they did come in handy just like the last day, which, you know, it's fine. But even from the beginning, like I was saying, I was budgeting a lot for this trip because it was going to also have like a completely different set of people initially. But then COVID happened and then it was just like, well, whenever I'm on vacation and I don't know when I'm going to be on vacation. And just took the first opportunity I got, went with a coworker and yeah, we got like our premium like economy like so not quite first class but not quite regular class but basically like we had access to a lounge which i have never had before and it was just kind of just really nice it was mind-blowing and i said well i could just sit here and get like all the champagne i want for free well not for free but you know it's included or complimentary and food just waiting for the plane and it just made the weights go by super super fast and then just having like the extra leg room, it's almost going to be really hard to go back to normal. It's really to hard to, to go back to normal. Extra. I can attest. Can't even imagine what like actual first class is like. I caught a glimpse of it because even we have like dividers on dividers. But did you have the lay flat seats? Uh no, they couldn't lay completely flat. That's that's first class that's, that's to a degree. Damn. Yeah. Well, maybe one day. But, yeah, there for two weeks. Definitely probably one of the most, like, chillest trips I've ever taken anywhere. Because the whole idea was just to never have to rush anywhere. So we just maybe had, like, one or two major activities a day. And the rest was just kind of, like, we just winged it, just depending on what city we were in. And the first place we went to was, oh, man, was it Akihabara? I think it was Akihabara. Because that's where the reservation for the Final Fantasy Cafe was. Which... Man, of all the cafes we went to, we definitely went to them in a nice order. Everything just kind of escalated in a very nice way. Like, we had to change plans a couple times because I'll get to later with the Kirby restaurant. But this is this was also, like, one of the trips where we were like, oh, should we do this today? Save it for tomorrow. Like, ah, oh, let's save it for tomorrow. And then we're saving it for tomorrow ended up being, like, the best decision we could have made. Or just stuff like that. But point is, Final Fantasy Cafe... Even not having played a Final Fantasy game was obviously still a very enjoyable experience. The theming is really great. Oh, wait, I can't say that because I haven't beaten one, but I've played a decent amount of 14. The online one. Yes. That's the one. Yes. And I think we the cafe we ate at is technically one that is in 14. It's the Eorzea or Eorza Cafe. Mm-hmm. Or it's just the location in 14. And yeah, you have your giant Moogle statues in the top. You have your, um, oh my God, is it tainted glass? <laughs> painted glass? Stained, stained glass. Stained. You have your, yeah, you have your stained glass, like Final Fantasy windows that look great. I, I do like your and use of painted the, glass as if somehow the glass is like corrupted or bad willed in some way. Oh, that glass is tainted. I mean, an RPG could It could very, very well be. be. The enemy could just be a glass shard, a tainted glass, yes. Yeah, but 
yeah, obviously the most memorable part was definitely the food because over there in Japan, like they just love to have these cafes where they go all out on the presentation of the food. Like we had like a dumpling that was in the shape of like a fat chocobo head. We had these croquettes that were, I don't remember the name of the creature, but they look kind of like little walruses and it was just delightful and also just all refreshing and good. And, you know, we also had our our nice mixed drink. Or a little cocktail they gave us that we could pour into like a nice little shot glass and it just looked, yeah, it was just all great. All while listening to Final Fantasy, various Final Fantasy tracks, including the battle theme from 3, which I really, really like. So I was really glad to hear that. And, you know, you have like a trailer of Final Fantasy 15, I think, that was just kind of like on loop. But otherwise, yeah, a super fun experience. Bought myself like a little chocobo coin pouch because i have forgotten how quickly you acquire coins in japan and i just needed something to carry the coins in because unlike there i mean unlike here like yeah they're 100 yen and 500 yen they're used pretty frequently and they're basically your one dollars and five dollars except the conversion rate is now much much more more different before it was almost like oh just take away two zero then you got yeah 100 to one before now yeah yeah, now it was like, there was like a watch that I wanted, that I bought. Um, I think it was like 36,000 yen. And I was like, oh man, that's going to be like 360 bucks. And then I just did the conversion. I was like, oh, there's only 280. It's like, that almost makes it feel really you cheap. You got lucky with the timing because the yen, I wouldn't say tanked, but the yen had some serious issues. There's some serious economic issues, like tail end of 2022, if I remember correctly. Like, the market over there kind of took a dive. So you went at a really good time in terms of conversion rate. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you could tell. Like, we oh, yeah, we definitely felt the the difference. It was kind of like we could order, like, a full course, create a, like, a full course meal, and it'd still be very manageable. Like, drinks, food, everything just felt really cheap. It's pretty great. Definitely every time to go for a foreigner. But, yeah. So many shops. Like, after Final Fantasy, we went to something I had forgotten or just didn't really remember was just, like, how fully fledged their stations are. And, I mean, their their subway stations or their train stations. Mm -hmm. Because we went to Tokyo Station, and we were on our way to a Ghibli store and in another city. So we went to explore Tokyo Station because that was the station that was, like, walking just from our hotel. And in that station, we found, like, a Shinshan store, a Pokemon store, another Ghibli store. And we ended up staying there for, like, quite a while and bought a decent number of things that we had to go back to the hotel to drop off the stuff just to go back to the train to go to another Ghibli hotel. I mean, another Ghibli store where we would then buy more things and then take it back to the hotel. But the, the fandom purchasing was definitely, like, through the roof. It was just nice just not having any kind of... I guess being feeling rushed in any way. Not that anyone was rushing us, but I feel like if I did this with any other group, I would feel guilt for like keeping everybody at the Nintendo store for as long as we were there. It's like even my brother would probably be like, "Oh, why are we still here? Like I've been over the store for you a know, while." You know who wouldn't ever get bored of the Nintendo store? I don't know. I'm pretty sure how long we were in. The one in Shibuya, even Jason would be like, nope. like, okay, this is getting out of At hand. the Nintendo store? No. Pretty sure, no. yeah. No. 
Yeah. You would know if you traveled with me, but according to you, we've never traveled together. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we'll just have to stay sometime because so far, yeah, it's probably, how would I know? One day. One day. But, yeah, the shops at Tokyo Station were amazing then. Something else that just kind of reminded us, and we kind of miss already, is just the cleanliness and consideration of everyone in Japan. Like, even just buying something at a store, like, they'll ask you, like, if you buy any kind of ceramic, any kind of any cloth, actually, just about any item, they'll do a, like a quick inspection. They'll ask you, like, oh, are you satisfied with this item? So you know the size is this. Some of that seems redundant, but, like, it is really appreciated because sometimes people do grab the wrong sizes. Sometimes they just want to make sure that you know your, what you're purchasing. Or if you buy, like, a hand towel, they're like, like, are there any, like, defects? Are, are you sure you don't want to get another one? Sometimes they'll, like get the other one for you if they find a, like a big defect themselves or in most cases if you're buying like a figurine they'll like open it in front of you and show it to you just to make sure you know it's not already broken or it doesn't have anything else going on with it something you definitely don't really ever get here but you know it's like the little things like that and also just like how readily available disinfectants are like i've only been here for a week after the trip and I've been to a couple restaurants and a good number of stores and maybe one of them. And this, and this is like among like 10 to 12 different locations between restaurants and stores. And only one of them had like a disinfectant of source at the front and didn't even have disinfectant inside the disinfectant. Like it was out. But over there in Japan, it felt like you could go like 10 feet in any direction and you'll run into like disinfectant spray and it were always full. That and was briefly America in peak pandemic. Very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> I missed that actually. Stuff. Even Disneyland where I've been going, they, they have fewer, they used to have them stationed every so often and they're gone because no one wants to. Yeah, It honestly pay. still feels like as crowded as places can get in Japan because that's just kind of how, especially the subways are. Like, there were maybe twice we experienced, like, whoa, we're really getting squished here like sardines. But for the most part, like, everyone kept their space. Everyone, I mean, like, basically everyone always had a mask on, except when they were eating. So it basically still felt like pandemic times. Like, it made me feel, it made me feel really weird coming back to the U.S. and just seeing, like, almost no one wear a mask. It was just like, whoa, I just got so used to, I guess, everything over there. Like, sanitation conditions. Like, even the toilets. Like, the fact that they... I did not run into a single, like, disgusting public toilet, as you would here, almost without even trying. Like, they always look nice and clean and pristine. At least the ones I've seen. You know, there could have been some. But they also have, like, a separate dispenser in the bathroom that says, like, oh, for consideration of the next person, would you please take a towel and spray it, and then I wipe the seat when you're done using it. And, I mean, it definitely feels like people actually do that because, like I said, they feel super clean. Not to mention, like, it was just because it being winter, it was nice feeling, like, the heated seats everywhere. Like, heated toilet seats, heated train seats. Like, ah, that's just such a nice luxury. Obviously not necessary, but, yeah, the first time you, like, sit on the toilet and it's not heated, like, it just feels that much more drastic. But And they play music. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they get musical, they have the bidets, oh, man, there's... They're living the high life over there. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it's all, all all that cleanliness, and everyone's just so friendly. Like you go to a restaurant, and then as we're paying, we tell them like, like, oh yeah, the food was delicious, and stuff like that, and they just like give you like the most grateful sounding like response, and they look like I don't know, they just look genuinely happy to serve you, and that's kind of the thing. Like it feels like just about everybody, like no matter what job it is. And at least like the ones we interacted with just feel like they have a lot of pride in their work. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a two-way street. It might be because everyone in Japan does respect every job title equally. Where here, you know, you have your, you know, janitors have the stigma for being like, oh, yeah, they're just a janitor. It's like a low entry-level job. But then people get upset when things are like very messy and unkempt because, you know, Maybe the janitor doesn't care as much about his job because no one cares about that job or, you know, they just look down upon it. But, I don't know, could be other factors. But in Japan, I know they have the kids in elementary school help out the janitorial staff with some tasks, like, you know, some kid-safe tasks. But, you know, they're basically cleaning from an early age. So they know what it is to keep things nice and sanitary. And we kind of don't really do that. So it would obviously take a couple of generations to even get to that point. Like, I don't think we could put up a sign in any of the bathrooms here in the U.S. and expect someone to actually, like, wipe the seat for the next person. But, you know, it's a dream. Maybe one day. It's a dream. But <laughs> That's your political <laughs> platform. If I become president, everyone's going to wipe the, next, the seat for the next person. Yeah, cleanliness. But, yeah, I mean, besides that, we went to Shibuya, which, you know, it's not for that big old crosswalk. That's where we saw the Nintendo store, which, you know, was also super awesome, obviously. That's you where know, Nintendo have, like, Tokyo for... is, is Shibuya? Um, yeah. I didn't know Nintendo that. I don't Shibuya. know why I thought it was, like, somewhere else. Huh. Well, there's two stores. They have a Nintendo Osaka and a yeah. Nintendo Shibuya. Yeah, no, no, but the Shibuya one, I think they just call Nintendo Tokyo. But I didn't realize it was in Shibuya. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was in the, I guess, a, mall, <clears throat> a chain of malls called Parco, which are definitely, yeah, they're they're just a big chain. They're like all over the place and they're always huge and have so, so many stores. But yeah, the Nintendo store there had a nice selection of Animal Crossing stuff. It was really tempting to not buy like Brewster's like teacup and saucer or like the coffee grinder if, from if you, uh, Rooster's shop. If you cave to that temptation, it's on Nintendo's website store.nintendo.com. Ooh, yeah. They also have a hand and towel, then, you know, Brewster hand towel that I really wanted but I didn't want to pay shipping so I was waiting for the, my Nintendo calendar to come out and then the cow- towel ran out and I'm still kicking myself about a month later. So. Aww. Yeah. Woe is me. Well, maybe one day I'll get it. But, you know, they have like some not too many things that had like that said like Nintendo Tokyo, um, or Nintendo Shibuya. Besides like the T-shirt that you we know they're always gonna carry, Which but um, the they did have like. Oh yeah, you're Pre- preemptive. Thank you. I haven't seen mine yet because I haven't seen you yet. But presumably preemptive. Thank you. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, That's good. But they did have a couple items that had a tag on the bottom that said like for Japan only or something like that. Which, you know, could just mean that, like, oh, don't sell this specific skew outside of Japan. But they have some neat things, like, um, that I hadn't seen before. Maybe they are in the Nintendo shop. But they're the... They have storage cubes that were basically just the question mark block and the bricks. They had the 
I guess the leaf. It's a leaf carpet, like a little tiny. Oh, from Animal Crossing. Matt carpet. Yeah, from Animal Crossing. Um, you know, just an assortment of like very fancy Did... ties, fancy socks from Zelda. Did you and see? It's a pretty cool Splatoon shirts. Did you but... see the Pikmin planters? Uh, if they're the ones I'm thinking of, I think I did. Ceramic, ceramic? tops of Pikmin's heads, and when, where their little leaf would be is actually a real like succulent or something plant. Oh, I think I did see that up at the top. Yeah, there was some stuff on the shelf. I can't believe Japan got something that cool. I have a group version of that here, like a little tiny group we got um, at the mall down the street uh, with like a real plant. But when I saw that from the Japanese Twitter account, I was just like, oh, my God. And then I went to Nintendo's U.S. store and it's like, here's a white T-shirt with a letter P on it. And I'm like, that's not at all comparable. Why are they getting ceramic Pikmin pots? And we get like someone just stuck a letter on a blank shirt. Like, yeah. So, that, But it, it those are super cool. I love when they do stuff like that. Mm, but. Yeah, it's just fun being in a just Nintendo store. Definitely, I don't know, it's a fun vibe. Have you, have you never been? You've never been to the New York one, huh? Never been to New York. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I was gonna ask how it compares, but I guess never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's lots of statues. They have a giant Bowser on the window, but no Bowser merchandise. Not even like a little plushie. There's plenty at our Nintendo store in LA. The Super Nintendo World Store. Oh. Well, that might be something to get. But, yeah, then the next thing, I guess the next big thing we did was go to the Ninja Restaurant, which I won't spoil much just because I think, like, kind of the less you know, the better. But the Ninja Restaurant was kind of the next, like, stop in our themed cafe reservations. And, man, this one just, like, upped the ante. Like, this one wasn't just, like, oh, you're just eating at a Ninja-themed location. It was kind of, like... I didn't realize it was going to be a performance slash experience, like just making your way to the place where you get to eat. The way they present each course kind of had like its own little spectacle, you know, a lot of fire and little sleight of hand tricks involved. And then we even got like a magician to appear at the end and just like do a whole magic show, which was super awesome. It kind of reminded me of going to like the Magic Castle I think that's in Hollywood. Yeah, it's on uh, it it's on Sunset, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Ninja Restaurant, super awesome. That's all you really need to look up. Just, you just type, like, Ninja Restaurant Tokyo, and you'll find it. But, yeah, definitely check that out. And that was basically, like, the first leg of our Tokyo trip. I mean, during that time, we went to, like, Harajuku, the Fashion District. We went to the Sunshine Hotel, I mean, the Sunshine Mall. But next we went to Nagoya, which is somewhere between Tokyo and Osaka, but definitely much closer to Osaka. And that was our next leg of the trip, just because we didn't want to have to take the bullet train back and forth between Tokyo and all the other destinations. But Nagoya was also super nice. We also ended up using the bullet train like nine times. So the green card or the the JR pass that we got. The green card edition ended up being way more than worth it. Oh, yeah. Those are super sound Especially... investment if you're planning to do more than, like, two stops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I think we paid, like, 240 bucks, And considering we used the bullet train nine times and just the JR in general, like, so many times. Like, I'm sure we definitely saved a lot of money. But Nagoya is super nice. It's definitely 
you know, you get a different vibe from Tokyo. It still has like those towering buildings with a bunch of billboards, but it's definitely less so anime and more, I guess, very tactic compared to a city. Like somewhere between Santa Monica and Beverly Hills, kind of. I don't know. It's weird. It's definitely weird. But point is, the hotel we stayed at, the Meitetsu, man, that place was just fancy. I did not realize we got a place like that. Like We were able to get like our breakfast in the morning and just have like a nice view of just like, I guess the valley we were in where Nagoya is because you're just surrounded by these huge mountains. You can see the mist going over them and just a very nice cityscape. But the first stop there was obviously the Ghibli theme park and being a huge Studio Ghibli fan, like it was just awesome to see just one section of the park because you have to buy a ticket for each section and we were only able to get a ticket for one of them. But I think we got a ticket for... What probably felt like the one to get if you were only to get one of, which was the warehouse district that they call it. And that one, it was basically just photo ops of various scenes from the most popular movies. And then there's like an exhibit where there is like one dedicated exhibit or one dedicated photo shoot to just about every movie in the whole collection of Ghibli films. And those were very elaborate. But then they also had another exhibit where they had basically like all the storyboards for some of the movies some of the like the treatments pretty much all the reference they use for food and basically like they built like a restaurant with like a menu and the menu is pretty much every food that you see like in the movie and the real world inspiration for it but yeah that place definitely was like like ah yeah like you you feel very happy for being as big of a ghibli fan as like you aren't just because you're being exposed to all these like you know things that you feel like were just crafted by like real fans it just felt exactly how you imagined it and then obviously the gift shop like damn we were there for a while just i think i bought two watches there and a couple little things bought a lot of watches over there like four of them but yeah and then after ghibli park we just went to the this was part of the most sightsee part of the trip where we went to the nagoya castle which was really cool. Just nice thing, like old architecture. It was great that we got a free tour. That took about an hour, but they were just explaining the history of how they built it, when it was burned down, what they rebuilt, why some of the stones are the way they are, why some have these crazy carvings. And, you know, just like where like various people ate of various classes and like, oh, this is where like the shoguns would come in and this is where the bodyguards would stay and you could tell because of like the p- pattern on the ceiling that the pen that determines like i guess the importance of the person staying in that room and i don't know just all very interesting stuff stuff that we definitely never would have known or wouldn't have even really researched had we gone in had we not gone in the tour but yeah and then we did like a quick stop at kyoto looked at we didn't go to the crazy long Torigate Trail because it was already starting to rain so we went to a another popular shrine that had still a decent number of Tori gates but it also had the fox statues which is cool and yeah then literally on the way back just by chance the next day was going to be Kirby Cafe Day but we happened to stumble upon a Kirby pop-up like at the train station and it was just random Kirby merch and that was pretty cool it was very fun just to 
look at a few of the plushies. I ended up getting an original Kirby plushie, just because I don't think I've really seen one like before. Like the 1992 really design? Cool. Yeah, yeah, with like not the rosy cheeks, just like little lines. Yep. And just like kind of like a easy. And it's kind of a, it's a more part. rotund plushie than even like the regular ones, right? Like it's a little, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when they released that, I saw it online. It looked pretty cool. I'm glad you got it because that, that's, that's 30th anniversary merch right there for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So fluffy. Even though Kirby isn't really fluffy, but... Yeah, and that was definitely, like, a nice pregame because we bought, like, not that many things and we were like, okay, like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Kirby stuff we like, but like, too crazy, they went to Kirby Cafe. And, man, this thing was already, like, trouble trying to get it. It was in three locations. They have one in, I believe, it was Osaka, Tokyo, and some other island, like, way off to the left of everything like really like it's practically secluded which is why i guess reservations were always available there but it's nice that people on that side of japan even have a chance to go but while we didn't get to man while we didn't manage to get a reservation on those days that we were already in tokyo um we did manage to catch one as it got like opened again while we were in Nagoya, so like halfway during our Nagoya trip, we had to go back to Tokyo to go to the Kirby Cafe. But man, that was way more than worth it. Besides just being at the Sky Tree, which is another big mall with a bunch of really cool stores. I mean, we also raided the Ghibli store as well. That's where the One Piece but the store Kirby is, Cafe. I believe, right? At Sky Tree? Oh, yeah. There's also. Yeah, there was also a Capcom store there as oh, well. That, that was not there when I was at Skytree. That's yeah, famous. there's a few Capcom stores. They're definitely popping up more now. But, yeah, Kirby Cafe, yeah, we did not, um, I mean, sorry, yeah. Yeah, we felt bad. Just, like, so many people kept, like, going up to the front, mainly foreigners, just like, oh, like, can we come in? And then just, like, sorry, reservation only. Like, a lot of people got rejected. That was, so uh, the few people blew by you over the weekend. I got in the... My friends and I got in last second, basically, that day. And we were sitting there in the lobby watching tons of tourists be rejected. And it was sad. Wait, in Dubai? Or wait, at wait, Blue Bayou. Then? At Blue Bayou, we had the exact same experience. We were oh, watching Blue tourists Bayou. come up and be like, is there any chance? Like, we're here for the weekend. Can we? So I can only imagine what it was like at Curry Cafe, which is, you know, more limited yeah, in, a in lot of, its years. A lot of Nintendo and Curry fans, it's like... Not realizing that they had to reserve basically a month before. And it's always a month before. Like if you wanna if you're going to Japan soon, um you wanna be on the Kirby Cafe website on the tenth of the month before you're going. And they'll go up at I think like ten AM. Well ten AM their time, so on the tenth, so that would make it like the ninth our time at some point. But yeah, you definitely wanna be on there because they fill up fast. But so anyway, the cafe itself. Oh my god, like, yeah, this one definitely took the took the cake as far as, like, the themed ones so far. Like, you just went above and beyond, you go in, they have, like, a big photo op, like, as soon as you enter. Like, you have Wispy Woods in the middle, you have, like, the Kirby soundtrack, or at least, like, a piano cafe rendition of all the songs just kind of playing in the background. You have, like, this, like, animated window into the kitchen where you see, like, the chefs cooking, you occasionally see some Waddle Dees or... Chef Kawasaki, or once in a while you'll see like all the chefs get sucked up at Kirby 
and Kirby will like fly by and you'll see like, oh, the chefs are okay. They're like shaking themselves off and then they get back to cooking. <laughs> but, you know, just like the theming in general, they have like little Kirby figurines decorated all over because it was winter. They had a lot of like Christmassy Kirby stuff like strewn around. And I took like my little magnetic shoulder Kirby and a lot of the like, you know, the staff were like, like oh, it's Kirby. Like, oh, they got really excited, I guess, because it's like their boss. And, you know, they had to pay their respects. Their God. <laughs> but, but yeah, and then the food. Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, besides just being, like, incredibly delicious, it was also just fun to look at. I mean, I got, like, a Kirby burger because it came with, like, a nice Kirby plate that said Kirby Cafe on it. And Wait, do you got to keep the they plate? They got... Yeah, they get, yeah, they let me keep the plate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, between we order like the Kirby pizza, and they let us keep the the wooden plate for that as well, which is basically just Kirby with his like mouth wide open. We had like the Kirby car for the desserts. We also had the what else did we have? Like the Kirby souffle pancake that was also really good. Not the best souffle pancake I had in Japan. I'll talk about that one in a bit. But yeah, the souffle pancake from the Kirby Cafe was really good. And they had some chocolate milk that had some fruits in it. And then they even had gave us like what was basically a a chemistry set with beakers and flasks. And we had to mix the things in a certain order following like this, like, I guess, step-by-step guide. There was It was all in, it was all pictures. There was no Japanese writing on it. Just like, oh, mix like the red color with the blue color and you get this color and then mix this with that and then... Eventually, you get your final drink, which you prepare yourself, which is really cool. And it was obviously by the chemist Kirby that came out recently-ish. And yeah, and then once you're done eating there, you go to the Kirby Cafe store, and they have not a ton of items, but man, like, you know, you have like a full, like, silverware set that say Kirby Cafe at the top. I kind of regret not getting the whole set. I just got like a spoon. And then they also have, I did get like a wooden coffee spoon from the Kirby Cafe. They also sold the soundtrack that they were playing, both like the first disc and the newly released second disc. And I guess like a hand towel and a bunch of other little things. But it's just cool because like, I don't know, it's just merch I had never really seen before. And they all say Kirby Cafe or they say Kirby Cafe Winter, which is like, oh man, it's like, so not even... Like, I can't even get everything. I still have to wait for summer and spring and fall to get, you know, all the exclusive stuff from the store. And then they also had a second Kirby store at the... At Tokyo Tower or Skytree. Oh, yeah, there it is, Skytree. That that one didn't require a reservation, but it had some other merch that wasn't really, like, Kirby Cafe-themed. Which was also super cool, because that's where I found a really cool alarm clock that I use, and... Like a a toddler book, you know, like something you read to a toddler to like go to sleep, but it's like for Kirby theme or it's a Kirby theme one. Wait, you gotta, lab- you know, you gotta like elaborate on the one. alarm clock. Is it? Are you smashing Kirby's head? Is it like a Kirby um, buffet? It's not, it, like... it's not like it's just a a square white LCD alarm clock with just nice Kirby pictures on the frame. But the LCD display is kind of like a Game & Watch where uh-huh. you see, like, Kirby do various things. Sometimes he'll be cooking. Sometimes he'll be, like, wandering around. Sometimes you'll see DDD. Sometimes he gets... He sucks up the power of the mic and defeats everyone with the mic powers. Like, 
That's cool. You know, so it's, it's like the Game Watch Yeah, it's like the Game and Watch's Nintendo released the last couple of years, but Kirby. Yeah, and every hour Kirby, you'll hear like the chime when Kirby gets a life, or on the alarm itself, it's just like the first verse or the first I don't know what you call it a stanza of Green Greens, which you know it's neat. That's cool. So I needed a like a bedside alarm, so that one's pretty good. But man, Kirby Cafe, yeah, you definitely leave that experience with like just smiling from end to end. It was just so good. But then you also have like all these bags after of things you bought. And then the day after that was literally Universal Studios with Nintendo. Oh man. And try not to Man, spoil we didn't even get to And before we even got to Nintendo, like you know, we I knew there was a shark a jaw ride, but I didn't realize they had a whole park I mean a whole section of the park dedicated to Jaws. Like yeah, I don't know. It just was really cool. Just kinda caught me off guard that you have this old seaside town just in Universal. And we stayed there for a bit. We did the Jaws ride. That was pretty cool. It was like a like jungles. It was like a jungle cruise, but more shooting. If that helps, but um, that does not. Yeah, well, Nintendo. Jungle Cruise has no shooting, so that does not. Is it like? Is it like a shoot? Is it like a water gun shooting gallery or like you don't shoot the animals no, in Jungle say, Cruise? I want to say they're shooting in Jungle Cruise, and I don't mean by us. I mean like by the the tour guide. Oh, I thought you meant you had like guide. little guns at your boat that you were like. No, no, because usually like the tour guide is just like shooting at the water. It's like oh, right, yeah, they do that like, one shark. little gimmick where I go, uh oh, and oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But this happens a couple times because you know Jaws is trying to kill you, so needs to keep him at bay. But yeah, Nintendo World, like in a quick, not spoilery nutshell, like yeah, it was it was pretty fantastic. Um... Definitely from just seeing the entrance up until we got to board the Mario Kart ride, I was probably like in tears. It was just like, it was just a lot. It was a very, very, very emotional experience, which was another basically like after having experience like what I mentioned at the Ghibli Park where it's like, oh man, this makes me like, it feels awesome to be like such a big fan of this. Like, this was just, like, another one of those moments. It's like, man, why do I love Nintendo so much? And it's like, oh, my God, like, they capture this so great, like, this and that. And, mm-hmm. oh, man, it was it was just a big treat. Definitely looking forward to checking out the Hollywood one. From what I could tell, it looks almost identical. It's smaller. I know but, but there But there are, like, some little differences here and there that, like, I've started to notice. But, you know, I'll wait until... March when we get to go oh with Jason hi yeah and Kevin we need to coordinate with you off recording on on if you want to tag along on the day we're thinking oh yeah cool Nintendo World I guess I'll take like maybe a minute or two I guess I could just like pee when I'm done with spoilers but I basically want to talk about the ride actually I'll talk about the Yoshi ride first because that one's yeah that one's not in universe that's the big difference is they couldn't fit Yoshi in the Hollywood location it will be in the Orlando location I believe but it's not Yoshi's Adventure is you could describe it as like a like a Disney storybook fairy tale land style ride like you're just kind of on a track that's going like relatively slow but you know the it's for the giant animatronics or just like the scenes that they set up which were really cool you know you see it basically plays out like Yoshi's 
Yoshi Story? Not Story. Island? You hear some music from Yoshi Story, but Crafted World? There's like some Yoshi Holy World? There's like a little bit of Yoshi's Island in the beginning. But then you just see like a bunch of baby Yoshi. You see Captain Toad who makes like a what? surprise appearance there. Captain Toad's in it? And I love and Captain he discovered, Toad. like, I guess this, like, <laughs> special golden Yoshi egg. And I'm like, oh, show us what this golden Yoshi egg looks like. I mean, what the Yoshi looks like, but he just has the egg with him. And I didn't know that's where they took the picture. But, like, apparently there was, like, a picture taken at that point. But thankfully, I didn't have my camera out during that time. But Captain Toad yeah, is in the ride? I have to go to Japan now. Like, Yeah. Uh, and, oh, man. man, like, those, like... The baby Yoshi animatronics and the big Yoshi. They even had Poochie there. I did not expect to see Poochie. Who looks kind of creepy but really cool at the same time. Because, <laughs> yeah. He, he's not really proportioned like a dog should be. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever he's supposed to be. like it, I mean, he's a dog. It never quite sit well with me. The interesting he, take on a dog. He's a dog if a dog was also a barracuda, essentially. Like he has the mouth of a barracuda. Not uh, the teeth, but the, the 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 dominant bulbous front. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing I guess, like a mention of the, I guess some of the differences. Like I know, I, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing like what merch is specific to Tokyo to the Nintendo Japan versus Nintendo Hollywood. Because I was just like comparing some notes with someone that went to the Hollywood one during the, what do they call it, the technical rehearsal? Yeah, technical rehearsal. Yep. And they were saying that they did not see, like, Dancing Piranha Plant figure in the U.S. one or Bowser Boxers, which I bought both of those just because, like, well, I've never even seen Bowser Boxers or officially licensed ones. But one of the – but the one thing that I was not disappointed to not see because I wasn't really going to get it but just surprised to not see was the – that little Mario toy that Miyamoto helped oh, design. Oh, the little walkie one. The walkie one. Yeah, where it's on a stick, yeah, and that if one, you yeah. move it, it looks like Mario's walking himself, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that one wasn't at Universal Japan, so I guess it's a Hollywood exclusive. It might have been a launch or maybe item for when they opened the park, like a limited time. Miyamoto collaborated on some of our exclusive early merch. You got to come to the park immediately to see it type of thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll either maybe. introduce it here at launch or at opening or they'll reintroduce it in a few years as like, uh, well, you know, back from the vault, the Miyamo design toy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out soon. I mean, it has been open for a while in Japan. Yeah. I guess in the U.S. I guess we'll see if they, if we spot it there. But, yeah, but I guess to get into some little spoilers. Okay, Basically I'm, just I'm, I'm tapping right? out. Ping me because I, you have done a media blackout of, um, the Mario movie, I am basically now mm. doing that for the park because I want the emotional experience you had of walking in. So I don't want – I know bits and pieces and like seven friends of mine all sent me the menu from the restaurant because they're like, oh my god, Jason has to go here. But I've been dodging and we- bobbing and weaving. So I'm going to pop out my headphones and someone tell me when it's safe. To oh, yeah. I'll be super quick. I realize I don't – yeah, like okay. better off definitely like keeping everything as mysterious as possible right, for everybody. Well, but for this one, because there are some grievances, like – I'm going to get into a little I more see. detail. Okay. Well, someone get my attention in chat when it's yeah. going to come back. Goodbye, everyone. All right. And I'm guessing there goes Jason. Cool. All right. Podcast over. Anyway. Um, yeah. Kevin. So the Mario Kart ride. Uh, I don't know whether I dislike it or like it. Which is 
kind of sucks because it's like it's on have you ever been on the transformers ride by universal studios kevin oh i was muted this entire time <gasps> kevin's nope, gone too. i'm here okay well what's it called the ride oh yeah it's on a trail it's on a track lost my train of thought there um it's on a track but half of it is like all practical effects so you have like actual built-in stuff from the environment which is really cool that's like was super awesome to see that's pretty much what i was hoping to see a lot of i knew there was going to be a game aspect to it but i did not expect it to be as obstruct obstructive as Mm -hmm. it was it works the idea is that you were a visor and in this visor that maybe has like a 16 by 9 I guess resolution. It just has like a little screen inside your visor. Mm-hmm. Um, just augments or just like puts the other racers in front. Like they look fine. Like you could clearly see Bowser. You could clearly see Mario driving around in front of you if you're looking at the track in front of you. But if you even look like kind of an off angle, suddenly everyone just disappears, but they're like at a different side. Right. And because there are so many racers, like the only people on the track are other people and on the AR helmet is all like eight racers that are also racing with you, like Bowser's team with the Koopalings and Mario and co. But they drive around in front of you so much that sometimes you're just like, I just want to see the environment, but then you can't because you're just blocked by everything. But that being said, I mean, as far as just like the, how the game works, like, you occasionally run over items. Like you, you do get some limited steering. If you steer with the course, you get extra coins. But you get some items. You get some shells, and you're basically just looking around with your head and pressing a button to shoot. And wherever you look, that's exactly where it hits. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty responsive. It feels good if you're just like playing the game. But it kind of felt like the AR part was getting in the way of just the theme of the ride. Or the theming, like, I feel like I couldn't really appreciate the backdrops and the scenery as much just because the characters were just constantly driving all over the Mm -hmm. place. Or, you know, I'm trying to focus on trying to hit one and like, oh, maybe I missed something. Because there are some pretty awesome things. And they do have some screens thrown around that replicates, like, an enemy being there. And some of those screens just, the resolution is so good that sometimes there were, like, one or two enemies that you almost can't really tell if they're on a screen or actually there which is kind of crazy but you know i won't spoil like what areas you go to because it's super awesome but yeah it's mainly just i guess the marriage of practical and ar that just didn't really seem to work well or at least i thought it didn't really work that well that's disappointing but yeah that's pretty much the mario kart ride i guess we'll get jason back in here let's get that Eventually, when he pops up, I can continue talking about Nintendo. I guess in the meantime, I should be at the Kirby Cafe. No, not Kirby Cafe. At the Nintendo Cafe that Jason briefly mentioned. Oh, man. Once again, as always, food is super good, but uh, it's so good to hear the Mario Galaxy soundtrack play while you are eating. I'm back. Hello. Hey, it's Jason. Hello. But yeah. Nothing crescendoed as nicely as hearing, like, Gusty Garden while you're eating Nintendo-themed food. Right. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. 
I'm very excited. I mean, I don't know anything you just said, and I know you said there were pitfalls with the Mario Kart ride, but I'm very excited that in yeah, it was weeks, pretty much just the negative, right? But, but like, just, so cool stuff. just in general, in weeks, not months, like it's here. It's it made it to a light where we're going. Like it, it's so. In weeks, yeah. Technically, it's weeks. Um, it's like a month and a half, but still, uh, like for us. But it, yeah, it's 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 been such a long road <laughs> to get here, and it's so exciting that it's actually finally happening. It's such a turning point. Like for Nintendo and for do you like, know when we first heard Inklings that there were going to be like a Nintendo theme park? Well, when we first heard Inklings was in the first platoon. Am I right? Uh, no, I think it was. I can figure it out. I think it was like 2018 is when they first mentioned it. Maybe 20. Really? Actually, you know what? No, it was earlier. I think it was like 2016. It must have been earlier because I remember we just. It was just like a statement, and it was yeah, like, oh, I think okay, it was 2016. It was around the same time that they were announcing they're going into mobile and that, like, the Wii was completely dead and they were setting up all these new IP expansion plans. So it's probably 16, mm. if I had to guess. Damn. If not even earlier. Um, I'm well, trying to figure it out. If you get yeah. to go to Japan, go to the Nintendo World theme park section. But just... Remember that you do need to have a reservation. And by reservation, you just really need to get, I guess, what their equivalent is of a fast pass or an express pass, as they call it. Because they weren't letting anyone in that did not have one. Even just to, like, you know, wander around the game gamification area where you could hit the blocks and stuff. But, yeah, get your express pass. I don't know if that's going to be the same in the U.S. one. Maybe. I have no idea. Uh, the way the U.S. Soon. is working is you reserve a day at the park as a whole, like, Universal Studios, and then uh, oh, it's first come, first serve into Universal, into Nintendo World, up until it hits capacity. Then they're going to open the ability to reserve later spots that same day using either the Universal app or some kiosks at the front of the park. So get there early oh. if you want to guarantee you're in on the day you reserve for Universal. Right. Or they'll rotate people out as time me. goes on. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's a little convoluted. I'd rather just reserve the park and know I'm going to the park like Nintendo and I'm going straight to Nintendo but whatever it, it... yeah because you know that's what everyone's going to be trying to go to yeah at least initially but... and it, it's worth saying noting that this is the plan for when it opens and for some time after eventually you'll be able to just saunter in in like a year probably or six months or something yeah yeah damn well I guess it takes me to the the last leg of the trip I mean we did like a brief stop at a place called Hakone which that one is probably like the most I'm going to call it rural, um, underdeveloped place. Because it's just not a city. It's just a very small town. and But it just had, like, the most gorgeous scenery. And it was probably the fanciest hotel we had by far. Cause How did you end up there? Like, what what took you guys there? Evangelion Store. Ah, okay. It, it's in a remote place, but they happen to have an Evangelion Store. That's also kind of, like, themed around... Like that location a little, which is really cool to see. But yeah, the hotel itself, like they have you, they have like yukatas for you, which is basically, I guess you could call them, I guess like evening wear in Japan. It's kind of like a robe with like a little jacket, super comfy. And the rooms we had also had like the mats and they had like the short table and they had like the special chairs with the amazing view. Actually, they had some amazing coffee and curry there that I liked it so much. I actually bought some of the curry and coffee to bring home to make. And, yeah, that was super nice. And then we just 
went back to Tokyo for the remainder days where we went to the Godzilla store, got pictures with the giant Godzilla statue, had some KFC, and it was amazing. It was just almost mind-blowing just how good it was. I was like, damn, I don't remember having like this audible reaction to eating KFC. It's true for the Taco Bells over there as well. There's something about where they have to mm-hmm. source their food. Because obviously, you know, they're an island. They're sourcing from one place. It's not like here where you can just get the cheapest stuff. Um, and yeah, it shows. The fast food so much Yeah, better. you could tell. Like, And it was still like very affordable, but it was just so good. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of goes to the food in general. Like throughout the trip, um, we had we had a bunch of different types of ramen, curry, um, different salads. We went to a bunch of cafes, obviously. I got to try a bunch of fancy teas. But the one that stuck out the most is from a place called Einsoff. And it's a 100% vegan location. And it just kind of blew all my expectations and, like, preconceptions on, like, what vegan food can be. Because I feel like there's a general stereotype or even, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Prejudice, where if someone's like, hey, let's go to, like, this curry place or this ramen place, but it's all vegan... I feel like most people will automatically feel like, oh, okay, so it's probably not going to be as good as the quote-unquote real thing, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, you're already going in expecting it to be lesser. And, yeah, we had, um, you know, obviously the salad there was just really good, but we had the souffle pancakes from this vegan place. And, oh, my God, like, it was just amazing. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. They were just so warm and fluffy and consistent like you were able to just i could have eaten like those whole things in a couple bites but i had to cherish like the whipped cream the rum raisin ice cream that they paired with it along with another um ice cream flavor that i forgot what it was it kind of tasted like vanilla but just that mixture it was just so good that i'm afraid i'm not gonna have like, you know, souffle pancakes here that will be just as good. And that just kind of went with a lot of the other food in general. Like, I can't count how many times I literally said something like, oh, my God, this is amazing, or, like, what the heck? Just because, you know, the strawberries were just so juicy. The oranges, oh, my God. And then, like, the fruit sandwiches where it has, like, the cream with the oranges and the strawberries in them. And you just bite into them, and it's like an explosion of flavor. Or their croissant sandwiches or their miso soup. Or even like the vegan ramen was also really good, which uses like a dollop of like peanut butter in the ramen broth. And it just goes really well and it tasted amazing. And I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know. It's probably the healthiest I've eaten in a two-week span, but also the most varied food I've had in a two-week span. That was just, it was just amazing. And it definitely makes me want to, rediscover and seek out places here like even like i guess traditionally traditional italian pizza like i wasn't really the biggest fan in the past i don't know maybe this could also be completely unrelated to just japan maybe it's just my palate changed but there was a point where i remember we went to a restaurant called milo and olive and we had this like margaret pizza and this marinara pizza and it was just, you know, basically just the marinara with the bread. And I Is remember eating, trying both and not being impressed by them. Just like, it just felt like it was lacking. I don't know. Could have just been 
other things that it also felt expensive i would just you're young you know, to that, buck I think ratio that's time, was in full effect yeah yeah the young to buck that's around the time the young to buck ratio was being created or it was like being developed and <laughs> when you were deep in the lab play, concocting the young to buck ratio yes but then this place like it was the same thing we had a we split a margaret and a marinara pizza but damn like the marinara like it was just the marinara with the bread but it was just so juicy and savory and damn and the bread was just so good like it was like the first time that i finished like a big pizza like that with like a nice beer on the side and man it's like i honestly felt like wow this is not even need like for me to add jalapenos or like a bunch of cheese like or a bunch of meat i you should insist on always getting meat lovers yeah exactly like I don't know. Pizza can be good in different ways. Like I don't know if it was because of this specific pizza, or maybe it was just finding time that I would appreciate it. But point is, bunch of like life changing food perceptions were broken, and not to mention every single one of them, partially because I'm sure the dollar is just stronger right now in Japan. Like yum to buck ratio was easily met in all these places. Like we went to some fancy like. The souffle pancake place was you could consider more of a fancy place. It was like in, like a it was in Ginza, which is like a higher end area where like every other store you see is like a Louis Vuitton or your Gucci kind of style. But even that was like everything just felt fairly priced or cheap. But the food quality definitely was way up there as far as like also the customer service. It's just it's just nuts. And it's probably the part I miss the most because, you know, I think one of the first things I did when I got back, there's like a KFC, like down the block. No, not a KFC, a Jack in the Box. Oh, why, why would and you I put ha- yourself through that after that experience? <laughs> so, uh, so I just had a curious thing. I was like, uh, like, is it really a, like, is the food like that bad? Like, have I been spoiled for two weeks? Cause I never thought Jack, Jack tasted disgusting or anything, but you know, I had like, their signature cluck sandwich and yeah i felt nothing like it wasn't disappointment or joy it was just like it felt like i just like it was just matter that i ate like the bread wasn't anything to think about the chicken just tasted it tasted more like i was eating fried dough than anything so yeah it was kind of disappointing but thankfully there were some glimmers of hope. There was like a home cooked meal that we had with like a soup that gave me that same kind of like emotion where it's like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. And, you know, and then there was also the Thai place we had the other night where their Patsy you never like ceases to like just be amazingly delicious. So, you know, just out there. And I'm just excited to rediscover it, it- whether it be the pizza or new, new vegan places because now. I feel like they're definitely on my radar or just something I'm not going to discount just because it's a vegan place. Like they could be just as amazing, but definitely have to look for them. It's interesting because I feel like when most people come back from Japan, and I know this is my personal experience as well. Um, it's sushi that usually it's like, oh, I can't like sushi here just isn't the same. And you have to like reacclimate to like sushi outside of Japan. It sounds like for you, you barely had sushi. You didn't even mention it in your list of food you ate. And it's every food that you're now having that experience with of coming back from Japan. So it's kind of a, like it's a unique 
more blown out version of what a lot of people tend to go through, like the withdrawal. Yeah, because I mean, because sushi, I mean, I mean, sushi's great, um, but I'm not like in love with sushi. Well, you're not so, a huge fish person in general, so that makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I can enjoy sushi from time to time, but it's not like something I'm gonna seek out. Like, I'd rather seek out ramen and curry before I eat sushi. Sure, sure. Have you had ramen but, yeah, here since you came back yet? Like, is the ramen? I did. Is um, how that stack I, up? The shinsengumi. Thankfully, it was just different. Okay. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of seems to be the the case most of the time. At least in when you go to some of these really good places, like Kevin took us to Shinsengumi, and then go that Sunday that I came back. And yeah, the ramen was good. It was good pork ramen. The broth was nice and tasty, but yeah, like the other one just tasted different because again, it was also like vegan ramen. Right. But oh man, just can't wait to discover and look for some of these places again, or just for my next trip, which. I guess it probably won't be for like another year and a half, maybe some at some point next year. But yeah, I'm already saving up for it. It will be soon. But yeah, well, it sounds That's like pretty much my trip, trip to Japan. Yeah, it sounds pretty um, like a great time. It sounds very really cool. Yeah, it's the first time in a while I feel like I've had like a true vacation, like just to relax. Right. And yeah, it was nice to remember what relaxing felt like. But. Unlike my next relaxing time, yeah, came back to reality and I guess pleasantly surprised to see. (laughs) I was like, just pleasantly surprised to see that people are really enjoying The Last of Us. I was never personally like looking forward to watching it. It wasn't like a show I had planned to watch, but um, my sister and brother-in-law like really wanted to watch it. And like, it's definitely a show I would watch with. It's one of those. It, it was going to be one of those shows that, like, oh, I'll watch if the group if that's what the group wants to do. And this is and, something all three of us are watching now, right? Last of Us. Yeah, and I think we're all caught up. Like, yeah. I watched the second episode not too long ago, and and yeah, it's been cool. Like, you know, you see like some of the. It's like, whoa! It's just like the game, or it's like, oh, they changed that from the game, but it doesn't really make that big of a difference. But uh, there's a couple <laughs> it's still of things a difference. that kind of makes a big difference, like the spores. Or lack thereof. Sure. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but... I, I They've been talking about it in interviews. Even my dad knew about the change. And he... Like, I was like, what? Like, that's what's so interesting about Last of Us to me is it's kind of having, like, a kind of pop culture zeitgeist moment, which is honestly partly... In the same way I went and saw Avatar Way of Water, mainly because I wanted to, like, know when people are talking about Avatar, what, why. Um, and I will say, water scenery in that movie... Really good. Really impressive the technology they used to do it. They made every actor and crew member hold their breath underwater for real, and, like, they built this huge tank. Anyway, if James Cameron just wants to make sequels to Avatar to do cool stuff with different elements, like the next one they do a bunch of crazy stuff in the volcano, I'll go see it, sure. But my point is, um, like, I feel like I I only got into Last of Us because suddenly there's this whole moment around it. Because, like, my dad brought it up to me, and he mentioned the spores, and then, like, my fiance's dad's watching it with, with his girlfriend randomly. And, like, it's just, like, it's such – I think because it's HBO, it's such, like, a moment at the moment that um, I was like, okay, let me check it out. And it helps us just really good. But, sorry, Kevin, you were going to say there were other things they changed? I I don't know. That's – it's – I I would probably consider it to pull talk, so I'd rather not say. That's fair. 
That's fair. Unless we um, but how you how you as, like as people who have played it because I haven't played it, but if people who have played it, how you guys feel about it so far? Very very uh, faithful <laughs> to its source. Yeah, almost probably, shot for shot at times, right? Which is probably the best route that they could have gone with. It. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, the something is nice. It's nice to think like, huh. Kind of wish I hadn't played it because you know you get like a bunch of questions where it's like, oh my god, like what happens next? They're like, oh, I do know. Yeah, I've I've had that thought that like the silver lining for me of having never played it, of being a Nintendo only gamer sort of thing, is like it's all fresh to me and the cliffhangers and the plot twists. Like some of it's a little like you kind of know where some of it's going, you just sense it, but some of it is just like, wow, okay, what's gonna happen next? Like I'm actually genuinely curious. It's cool to be able to now experience that story for the first time while well, i'm sure for you guys it's just kind of like oh they're look how they're connecting these dots or look how they're like doing paint by numbers of this scene or that scene like i've seen the comparison um videos of like the shot for shot cutscene stuff where it like lines up with what the game does like and it's it's impressive they're doing it but for i'm sure for you guys you're watching it more with that eye and i'm watching it more it's just like its own organic story a little bit of both that's fair. I mean, it's been a while since I played The Last of Us 1, so, like, I don't remember everything exactly. Like, I just remember, like, oh, yeah, like, this is what happened next. Or, like, oh, yeah, they did do that. I But, so, for the most part, I'm just trying to enjoy it as definitely its own thing. Because, I mean, even the beginning, like, you know, where you're playing as the... Daughter. Sarah. Someone named Sarah. His daughter. Is that, yeah, yeah, Joel's daughter. You know, where you're just playing as Sarah, like, plays out a little differently. And also more... Drawn out and plays not good, but it just, you know, it just plays out differently. Just like the build up to everything going to the way it does. But yeah, it's been fun. Definitely looking forward to the next episode. Hopefully, they continue to stay under the one hour mark after the first movie length episode. I think but, they are. I think that was the only one that's supposed to be long. Maybe the finale too, but yeah. yeah but that's more of a me thing than anything. Oh, there goes a. Uh, that means it's the hour. What? What? I, I, I don't know. If you oh, Kirby, it. I didn't hear it now. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, it was pretty loud on my end. I was gonna say, I feel like one of the things Last of Us has in its favor with how fateful it's be, uh, fate, fate, faithful, not fateful, faithful. It's being um, to the game. Is correct me if I'm wrong. The game is very narrative heavy and structured around that narrative more so than a lot of games, right? Yeah, so that's, like, you know, I've seen all these articles that seem a little, like, eye-rolly of, like, oh, this is the, like, the moment that game adaptations become good. And it's like, well, no, this is the moment that a game that was striving to be a cinematic experience is now being turned into a fuller cinematic experience. Like, it just, it it's not like suddenly if they make, I don't know, what's a good example of a game that's not as nerd? It's not like suddenly this guarantees Gran Turismo movie is going to be super good because those games don't have the same structure, so they got, they're going to have to riff and, and and do stuff to make it a little more interesting they're actually for that they're taking a kind of interesting route where it's based on a real guy who trained in grand trees and then became a real race car driver so maybe there's hope there but like i feel I'm like we, what what was that did we lose him no that's it are you excited <laughs> oh for the movie eh. yeah <laughs> but um i mean i know sony's had to pickle your tickle i mean I'll, i i don't know i didn't watch the need for speed movie so but <gasps> gasp but um yeah like i feel like it's really cool that last of us is able to be like the first prestige tv show that is based on game and it's faithful enough that all the fans seem on board with it as well as the newcomers like me to the whole story but um yeah i don't know if this is 
any more or less of a turning point than if you think about how well The Witcher was received originally on Netflix or or shows like uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners or or going to like the Sonic movie or like all of them have really or Detective Pikachu like all of them have to varying degrees been true enough to source material that the fans have enjoyed them. It's just because this one is so one to one because it happens to be based on narrative thing. And because it's on HBO and it has like the prestige TV production and, and they, you know, they picked that net, that network picked it and picked it up because it matches their kind of vibe and atmosphere. Like it's somewhat so, serendipitous that this is the one that everyone's saying is the one, but it, it there's maybe some validity. So question for you, what makes this a prestige piece of work versus the Witcher? I think, yeah. For me, well, granted, I haven't watched The Witcher. I'm just going with kind of the the review and the some like the general. I think it's somewhat the production value. I think it's somewhat. I'm being told it is. <laughs> like I'm being completely honest. I'm not. I think there is something with HBO is putting on show X and it's getting 97, 98, 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and The Witcher's on Netflix with whatever percentage of Rotten Tomatoes, and there's that misnomer for better or worse. That, you know, certain networks are prestige and certain networks aren't. That's maybe going away as streaming kind of sort of puts everyone on an even playing field. But um, definitely it's being in- interpreted as being a like prestige TV because it's on HBO. And I'm sure it's going to get Emmy nominations because it's on HBO in the same way that, you know, Succession is in that same boat. In fact, it's in the time slot of Succession. As soon as... Um, Last of Us ends on March 9th or whatever. Two weeks later, Succession's picking right back up with season four in that same time slot. So, like, it, it's not, it's almost more the what's around it than the show itself, if that makes sense. As as backwards as unfair that is to the Witcher creators. Like, that kind of is the reality of how it's being, you know, pursued. Did the Washington Post do a deep dive about the Witcher and how it differs from the book and the and the game? No. Did they do one for Last of Us no, before it came I'm out? No, but sure, yes. I'm sure <laughs> so. multiple publications have made that difference. No, 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 but I think, yeah, but I think prestige TV, as awful as it sounds, isn't so much what shows we like or don't like or what do what. I guess, it's I guess my, my thing to this is like, culture. I guess it just literally comes down to it's on HBO. And when we yeah, think, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Which it's on HBO. It's in the slot that gets it's on a plate. to The Witcher. I haven't seen that's, The Witcher. Well, I'm also saying it is unfair, but it's just structurally how we're set up with TV. Yeah. So Sonic Prime is not prestige TV? No, but if it's you're in Prime L.A. TV. today on our recording, which is Saturday, <laughs> January 28th, and you go to the Third Street Promenade Santa Monica, there's a Sonic Prime pop-up today only. So no one that hears this will be able to go except you two because hmm. this doesn't go live till tomorrow on the site. But it's not prestige, but it has a pop-up. Different P word. But no, it's, absolute, it's absolutely a false dichotomy, like a false uh, – like the whole idea of prestige TV. But, like, usually what would determine it, you would think, would be if it wins awards and stuff. But now it's gotten to the point that the front runners determine if it, like, where it is will help shape if it gets, like, even on Netflix, if you think about, like, their different, t- like, Ozark versus Sonic Prime or House of Cards versus, I don't know, um, whatever that Eli Roth show was before House of Cards came out. Like, there's degrees of the budget that goes into the show, the caliber of the show, the, that all lead to this perception the tone of the show that all leads to this perception of what's considered prestige TV, which is very unfair. But that that's why I mean it's like this is the first game property that feels like it has checked the boxes to be considered that and is thus getting the mainstream media attention 
an audience of something like that, which is which is a milestone for game adaptations. Regardless of how you like feel about it, it is the first to do that. So good for them then. Yeah, but I'm but it's just like a straight up show. I'm enjoying it. I do like that it's a different take on what zombies are. Um, the parallels to kind of how COVID initially unfolded, obviously coincidental because it's like this game came out ten seven years before COVID. But um, yeah, it's kind of interesting parallels. Like, well, what if COVID was like this more extreme thing and how everything was handled and. Yeah, and those are very light parallels, but they're definitely there at the moment. So it's 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 interesting. I'm I'm definitely enjoying the show. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna keep checking it out with the fam, and then eventually, I guess, um, I guess eventually Cobra Kai is gonna come out. Yeah, later this year. Definitely waiting. Yeah. For See, that. there's a good example. Cobra Kai is on Netflix. No one considers it a prestige show, but Netflix can put out something like, like I said, like House Cards or Ozark back in the day, and those are automatically prestige shows. It's something about the writing, the atmosphere, the budget, the, the how they market it. But Cobra Kai was like the sixth most streamed show or 14th or something most streamed show in all of 2022 on any service. So obviously it has an audience, and it is a very fun show. Mm. So it's like it's just like how it's – it's the lens it's looked at through, which is very unfair to the other shows, but it's just kind of – what it is i guess the same way there's like oscar bait yeah. movies or movies you know are gonna get oscars and those that don't yeah i was sure i was watching that just felt like straight oscar bait but anyway yeah i guess it's just the world we live in yeah yeah everyone has to like sort of categorize things but it's nice that gaming the whole point i make is it's nice that a game adaptation is now busted into a new category for the first time and has seemed to done do so very well. It's getting very well received. So, um, yeah. Yeah. One one other thing though that I've kind of been thinking about in regards to the show is how uh -oh. much sense in hindsight that PS Five remaster of The Last of Us actually makes. Like it got, I feel like it got some flack when it was first announced. Like it was unnecessary. You could just play it on PS Four already. Like on PS Four Pro. Like why do you need this again? But if you play the PS Four game on a PS Five. Yeah, but if you think of like all those people watching the show, right? There's so I, I looked into the viewership of Last of Us. There's 22 million people who have watched the premiere as of this past week. And the word of mouth on the show is so strong that week two, the audience grew from week one to week two by the biggest amount in any HBO show's history from premiere to second episode. Like it has crazy momentum. And I guarantee you there are people like, you know, I mentioned my dad who somehow knew about the differences between the game and the show and things like that. And I guarantee you that some people are going to be like my dad and just watch the show and that'll be it. But there's also probably a bunch of people who are probably going to want to subsequently pay, play the game. So essentially what they do with this that remaster is like they, they're, they're reissuing it for the console that's actually currently available and then enhancing it to feel like it's native on that console. Like, yeah, you could play the PS4 game on the PS5 or like – it can be like you bought a PS5. Here's a game that like is for PS5, and that's actually in retrospect, like it's actually really smart what Sony's doing. It's like when a book publisher puts out a new version of whatever book is about to become a movie, but they like swap the cover to have matching art and they stick that big sticker that's like now a major motion picture. And mm. I think um, what Sony did that was really clever about it was they basically double dipped by doing the remaster when they did because they could put it out now. But they instead put it out for the early PS5 adopters at a time when the lineup needed some padding. 
but it's still obviously on shelves today and rarely available. So they were able to like hit two checkboxes by doing it then to benefit themselves now. And I think slowly, like as I was kind of giving this some thought, I think slowly like the game industry, it's a trend they're kind of embracing as the industry's matured, like this idea that game can have shelf life beyond its launch period. I mean, obviously Nintendo or arguably Nintendo's the king of how it handles this with evergreens like Mario Kart, you know, like a game, the game just always is topping sales charts, no matter how many years old it is. And games as service titles, they've really taken the idea to another level of you can release one game and just keep iterating on it and it could still be fresh. But if you look at like basically any of the game adaptations of the past few years, like none of them had correlated game releases. There was no Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, the game, or a Detective Pikachu release in tandem with that movie. Although I guess they did announce a Switch version like a year later that still hasn't showed up. Who knows what's going on with that? But my point is um, I think a lot of companies seem to be over time realizing there's a lot of value in having existing games serve as entry points for people introduced to an IP through what other whatever other medium it may be. And then they can build from there on their own timetable. Like, to use the Sonic example again, uh, did you know, I bet you didn't, but did you know that Frontiers, even though it was, uh, you know, a solid year after the second Sonic movie came out, Frontiers was one of the top 20 best-selling games in all of 2022, off like seven weeks of sales. That's the type of long tail that I feel like the rebirth of the IP through the movie really helped to create. They didn't need to make a Sonic game to come out with the movie. People could just buy up the existing ones that they already spent the time to make. But over time, they're building up that audience for the newer games. And I think Last of Us is going to end up having that same pattern because there's going to be that subset of audience who's going to pick up PS5s and play the remaster that came out a year ago. And then these new fans are going to need time to consume that content. And then lo and behold, that multiplayer Last of Us project that Naughty Dog's been working on is going to come out at some point in the future when these people have played Last of Us on their PS5s, when the existing fans are still, you know, ready for something new. And it's that much bigger of a player base for this now multiplayer thing where you need a big player base versus, say, rushing out the multiplayer thing to meet, like, the air date of the show or have a tie-in or something like that, like, which obviously would impact both the quality and its potential reach. So it's very interesting how they're doing this. Grand Treason is going to fall into the exact same bucket. Obviously, it's on PS5. They're about to come out with the VR one with the PS uh, VR 2 or whatever they're calling it. And then the movie comes out later this year. Like, it's the exact same cadence. And what's kind of funny is as I was thinking about all this, uh, or as Last of Us was kind of like, you know, coming to the forefront of my mind is kind of a smart move, Bloomberg then put out a story about how Nintendo right now is ramping up its production of the Switch for this year, which is rather unprecedented for a Nintendo console. Like the Switch is entering its seventh year on the market, I think. And by now there's either a subsequent console from Nintendo already announced, maybe even released, like depending on which cycle. And yet Nintendo is now expecting the Switch to actually keep growing beyond the projected sales of 19 million they're anticipating for right now. And initially it made sense for a few reasons. Um, the Switch already has, you know, abnormally high momentum for a Nintendo console. It was the U.S.'s best-selling system in all of 2022. It sold the most units of any console this past December. It did all that in its sixth year on the market. Like, that's kind of crazy. There was no price drop. Uh, never mind that we'll have Tears of the Kingdom, which is arguably one of its biggest games, still coming in May. There's reports of a special edition that's coming out for that, like a special console. It might have been leaked if you want to Google around for some images of it. 
Um, so like that alone is like, okay, maybe they can at least match the sales of last year. But to exceed them, to think you'll sell more, if you take The Last of Us and Sonic train of thoughts and apply that within Nintendo's bubble, then it, it's something like, oh, duh, of course they're ramping up production. Because this is a year we're getting not just a Mario theme park, here in the States at least. I know you're just at the Japanese one. But uh, the Mario movie, right? And I think, you know, we usually cite Little Timmy as our go-to kid who has, like, a Nintendo console and whatever situation we need him to have. But if you think of all the other Little Timmies who don't have Nintendo consoles, maybe we call them Little Tommies or something. I don't know. But if you think of them, that's the whole audience of non-Switch-owning kids who are going to be bombarded with stuff related to the Mario movie or go to the theme park or whatever. And sure enough, there's a whole lot of existing Mario games on the Switch that can scratch this newfound itch of theirs. Um, like, I'd bet you a real amount of money that come April, maybe even as soon as March, we're going to see Nintendo ramp up advertising around all the Mario offerings you can already get on Switch. Like, you know, how you can go old school and have a classic Mario experience with New Super Mario Brothers U, or visit kingdoms beyond the Mushroom Kingdom you saw in the movie with Mario Odyssey, or kick it with Mario and Strikers, or hit the track in Mario Kart. Like, in fact, I bet you the next wave of Booster Course Pass DLC is going to perfectly coincide with the movie's release. Maybe they won't have overlapping content, but it will be within weeks of the movie's release, either before or after. That's my guess. So the point is, I think um, what Last of Us is doing, what Nintendo's now doing, is just basically printing money using games they finished and put on store shelves years ago, like beyond typical evergreen fare. And should they choose to, um, they can do this. And they can increase hardware sales and game sales, whether it's Nintendo or Sony or whoever, without any impact whatsoever on whatever they're working on next. So, like, they're doing this huge ramp-up with Mario, with the Mario movie, and they're probably still chugging away on the next Mario game. Maybe it's for the Switch 2, who knows? But this lets them really squeeze everything out of the current lineup without having to do anything with their resources outside of their marketing team. And I think what's really clever about it and what's really made it possible um, is that as other companies have learned these past few years um, through their own TV and movie adaptations, basically the game industry is at the point where they don't have to have the hot new thing only be the new thing. You can have a hot thing that's an old thing now. Like, just like old albums can be reissued or old books or old comics. Like, the game industry has reached the point where products of yesteryear can be, like, just as relevant today uh, because there's all these new audience opportunities and they're now that big. And that's something we didn't have before. I mean, even GoldenEye the other day. So that just came out on Switch Online and Xbox, right? Um, like, two days ago. Um the nostalgia associated with that. It's a talking point among folks who don't currently play video games, like who don't really play, have a Switch or an Xbox. Like anecdotally, I have multiple coworkers who don't consider themselves gamers at all who have been bringing it up and being like, oh, it's so cool, you can play it again. Like, And again, I think it's this idea that the industry is mature enough, big enough, been around long enough and diverse enough that you, know, you, you can let old, new, and everything in between all be of equal importance in terms of, what type of games they are and where they come from in a way that during the console arms race of 10 years ago, 15 years ago was simply impossible. So obviously there's other factors at play of, you know, how like the, the creators of the people who play games as kids are now the creators as adults who run TV networks and comic shops and book publishers and stuff and see opportunities to take what they loved and actually do justice to them. Unlike adaptations of the 90s, there's that whole side of things too. But, like, the reality of it is, like, gaming is you only can care about the new release that's really, like, oh, here's the new Call of Duty. 
you don't play anything after, you know, you have this for a month and you freak out and then we move on to the next game. Or you maybe play it till the next Call of Duty and then you drop it and move on to the next game. Like that idea for a lot of games is no longer relevant, which is kind of interesting and, and pretty cool because it means a lot of interesting opportunities coming up. So that's where my mind went with The Last of Us. But it's beyond just enjoying the show. It's just like Sony's being really strategic and, and so is Nintendo. So basically the show started. It looked like you were having a seizure for a whole hour and they're like, oh, my God, Jason, are you OK? Like, and oh, I was like, Epiphanies. Yes. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's well. No, the show ended. And I didn't think about this while watching the show. That's madness, Angel. I thought about this right after the show. <laughs> yeah, so I just stared mm. at a wall for like ten minutes, and then I had to come down and be like, "Yeah," I come down to reality and be like, "Yeah," I just connected all these dots. But no, it is. It is like Sony knew what they were doing with that remaster, and Nintendo knows what they're doing, ramping up production a seventh year, which is unheard of for them. And every other company that's going to be doing similar moves. They're playing from this exact same playbook, I suspect. So that's my hot take for the episode. Damn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good show. Right. Waiting for more episodes. I think that pretty much covers everything, right? Unless anyone has any random thing they want to bring up last minute. Anything on your end, Kevin? No, not really. I didn't have much to say. That's cool. uh, there. All right. In that case, uh, Jason, go ahead and do the, the housekeeping. I'm not even going to bother trying to. <laughs> sure. So if you want more. Ta- well, actually, there won't be more Tales from Japan. But if you want more tales of our life adventures and thoughts on companies, whatever they do that they do, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Uh, that's how you can make make sure you don't miss any future updates. You can also subscribe to us on Whatever podcasting app you choose to use, that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You can find us on YouTube at Random Nintendo. Uh, I already said Twitter is at Random Nintendo. Individually, we're on Twitter. I'm JSR7. I don't know why I always say that like I'm surprised we are. I'm always like, oh, we're also individually on Twitter. Like, we've been doing this for 10 years. I know we are. But I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Wero is uh, W E I R O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. And now I will pass the the conch back to Angel to to decide what happens next. Um, no, life is complete. Was that the end? Did we stop at life is complete? <laughs> <laughs>